All right, here we go. So welcome to another conversation on the Unearth Podcast. I am Stelios Karakonstantis, and we have two uh, guests today that I'm really excited about um, to have on here, uh, especially since we just fucking killed ourselves in the gym before. So hopefully we have the stamina to continue to, get, to continue this conversation. So do you guys want to introduce yourselves uh, real yeah. quick? Or? So I'm Chase Morley. I'm currently 22, a student at Adelphi University. I'm majoring in economics, mm-hmm. and I am on the lacrosse team. And I'm Cole Harriet. I'm also 22 years old, and I also attend Adelphi University on a lacrosse team, and my major at Adelphi is physical activity. Cool. So awesome. All right. Okay, really cool. So um, – What's really cool about what the two of you is that you know not only are the are both of you athletes, but you also coach, mm-hmm. which is really really rare, especially at the the college level. I feel like a lot of athletes, and again, not all, but mostly, a lot of them play, and after they play, maybe they go train, they do some extra training after or whatever, and uh, they don't really coach, and I think that's what makes the two of you phenomenal athletes because you're getting both perspectives you're getting the training perspective but you're also getting the coaching one as well so when your coach is speaking to you or telling you to do something you know it it is going to be received a little bit differently than the guy that just trains and has never coached and has never put themselves in the coach's shoes right but um what's really interesting before we even get into that is that um i play lacrosse like you guys and um, I remember Cole, you were, I mean, you want to talk about how we, uh, how we met or. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was, uh, sophomore year of uh, college. Um, we had an option to either, you know, continue training with, uh, our trainer on campus or we could do our own workouts. And I was kind of more into my own thing. I did my own stuff. Uh, like I do back at home and, uh, but you know, on my way to Delphi every morning uh, to go to class, or practice, I would always see a stronghold and there always be out people outside running around, uh, doing sprints. I, I look inside the mirror, they're doing, they're doing these crazy workouts and everyone looks like they're, they're working hard. It, it looks like a good environment. So, uh, I gave Stelios a call because, uh, I, I want to see what it's all about. And I, I had a phone call with uh, Stel. And, and what was interesting about that, it was like, oh, you were like, yeah, I'm, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually from, I'm not from here. I'm from New Jersey. I have a, we have a house over here. I'm with my roommates, and you're telling me about one of the about one of the roommates, and he was actually the son of my lacrosse coach, who is now in college, mm-hmm. who's also your coach now. So it's like what a, what a small world. So I like I couldn't believe that out of anyone, you know, you were like the first athlete ever from Adelphi to call me up inquiring about training. I'm, I'm pretty sure anyway that you were the first. And we had the same coach. We had the same coach, which was absolutely uh, crazy. And then you bring this motherfucker in. You bring in Chase. And, uh, I mean, Chase, I mean, what was your first impression of the gym? Yeah, so the first time I ever came in probably was the worst day of my life. Um, <laughs> so previously, I'd always trained on my own. I had a trainer actually in a high school, which we can touch on that a little bit later. But um. So my whole um, view on working out was kind of like I'd go into the gym. I was always dealing with injuries because I would just push heavy weight, would never really warm up properly or anything. And it was kind of just like lifting at my own leisure. So I would just take as much rest as I'd need. I would never really incorporate cardio. 
So the first time I came in, I'll never forget, I died so badly. And it was so <laughs> hard that I honestly, that when I left the gym, I did not talk to Cole for the whole day because I was just so mad Yes, that I got buried so badly that I would I just took it out on Cole. I would just look at him and be like, don't even say anything to me. I just yeah. laid in my bed for like hours just then, trying to recover. And then I remember you guys did the Crucible. It was the two of you and one other guy. It was the first Crucible we did. You know, your test to get into the mm-hmm. gym. There was three of you going at the same time and you had to get – I don't know. It was something ridiculous. You guys had to get X amount of calories in a minute collectively between the three of on you. On the bike. On the, on the fucking bike. Yeah. I don't know if you remember what – do you remember what happened to Chase all after that? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> He literally did it. Like, he did it. I'm like, Chase, that was great, man. Like, you didn't say what. You just walked out to the fucking tree. <laughs> and it was – it could have been at a more perfect time because the at the point you were vomiting on the tree – was when there was a ton of traffic of people yeah. coming home. And I just remember looking at this guy's face. This guy's like shirtless. There's veins popping out of his neck. And it's just like <laughs> Emily Rose exorcist style projectile vomited, just coating the tree outside. And he was just mortified. And it was, it was, it was fucking beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was bad. But let me, but you know, before we um, talk about vomiting any further, what what made you guys kind of pursue lacrosse? Because I pursued it for a very specific reason. But, like, what, what made you guys pursue it exactly? Um, well, yeah. So, basically, just like a quick backstory. I actually moved upstate to Pittsburgh, New York, when I was a sophomore. And I had played lacrosse uh, my freshman year uh, in a small town in Oregon, Wisconsin. And there it was very, you know – relaxed it was you know I mean it wasn't really it was our first year as a program we weren't even recognized by the school you know I was a freshman and I was a starting deep hole because we just it was kind of like we need players to fill positions because right. we, we had such a small team so when I moved to Pittsburgh you know it was complete overhaul you know I mean where I'm talking I played with at least a dozen d1 athletes it was so intense such a high competitive level that I was like kind of like mind fucked. I was like, holy cow, this is, this is a whole different, it's a whole nother strata. Whole, right. Yeah. Whole different type of uh, view of the game. So, and I never had got, I never like really took high school that seriously. So I was kind of in a predicament to where I was like, I need to get into college somewhere. And I fell in love with the sport of lacrosse. So I kind of used that as my vessel to get me to Adelphi. Really cool. And so basically just, Trained super hard. I uh, got a trainer in high school. Um, really worked at it and got my skill level at least good enough to uh, have Very some D two cool. offers. So yeah, that's kind of how I got started with lacrosse. And how about how about you, Cole? I mean, was it like was it was it a similar trajectory or was it like? I mean, um, it was it was like a I think it was like a very uh, unique thing that happened to me because. Um, my dad's a big football guy and I all, all like, as I was growing up, all I would just do is football. I didn't play any sports. I didn't play like little league soccer. I didn't play like basketball. I just straight football for me. But what would happen is that football season would end. And I remember like, like crying for many, many days <laughs> after it would end. Cause then I'll be, I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do. I'm, with laugh. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> so, uh, it's okay. Chase is laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I like my parents like realized that I needed to do something else. 
so I don't just wait to the next football season. And uh, so then I didn't want to play baseball because I don't have the patience for that game. Me either. So, so um, uh, I got introduced in, uh, into lacrosse. And um, lacrosse, I took it as a sport, and I took it as a way to cope with things in my life because um, – like I said before, or I would just have football season and then I'll wait for the next football season. Well, like when I was waiting, um, I dealt with like anxiety and um, I like went to like a therapist for that and all that. And um, I realized that what would happen is I would go play lacrosse and I, I would have a ther- uh, therapy session right after like a, a game. And the therapist would a- ask me after the lacrosse game, like, oh, like how, like how was it this week? And I'm like, honestly, I don't have anything to say uh, to you anymore because like it, uh, lacrosse fulfilled that for me and um it was better than what therapy could do to anyone I, I that's that was the best case for you yeah okay, for, very for me cool. yeah and um that's very how very i started cool. getting into lacrosse so it sounds like it really was like an it was like an outlet for for, for both of you yeah. and i think there is something to be said that there is a level of aggression that comes with lacrosse that maybe doesn't come with let's say golf or baseball and not that those aren't worse sports or those are you know if there's less skill involved or whatever but i i think there's something to be said when you are a younger man you have this thing called testosterone you know coursing through your fucking veins all day to and you're going through all these changes the the world is like at the time maybe it feels like it's out of control i think there's something to be said where you you can let out this aggression in a kind of in a controlled way with other guys, with yeah. other teammates, right? Oh, yeah. um, and and or, or girls, you know, there's girls across too. I mean, same thing, you know. And do you feel like that with lacrosse, the aggression factor helps? The, the, I, I don't want to use the word. Vi- I mean, it is. It's a violent sport. Yeah. I mean, do you think that that helps as opposed to like when you're playing baseball or uh, like golf or anything like that? Yeah, so I mean, I would say lacrosse is very unique because you have both sides of the spectrum. So you have that like you can be very aggressive in the game, right? But also, you have players that aren't aggressive at all, but they're just very knowledgeable of the game. And in certain ways, each has their pros and cons. But I mean, I've seen a lot of players that you know don't play with nearly any aggression, but because of their lacrosse IQ is so high, they strive. And you see even a lot of players in like the professional level that really, you know what I mean? They might be the smallest guy on the field. It uh, doesn't look like they've ever lifted a weight in their life, but they're just absolutely killing it because they have such a great knowledge of the game. So I honestly was not that player. <laughs> I was very much into the aggression, especially when I was younger. Um, I've always been like a bigger kid. So yeah, how tall always, are you? Like 6'2", 6'3". 6'3". Okay, 6'3". And, um, oh, wow. Especially when I really started working out and putting muscle on. And I was always that kid that would just go out and I'm looking to hit somebody. You know? Yeah, and, 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 and I, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think what lacrosse does, it teaches you how to control that. Yeah. And as opposed to I just – I stay angry. I keep it inside or I just let it out whenever the yeah. fuck I feel like it. This allows you to use it as a tool – um, to kind of better yourself, right? That's and again, like I play basketball. I always played. I've been playing basketball since I'm four. I'm still terrible at it, but I got introduced to lacrosse. I think in my sophomore year of high school, I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I loved the aggress, the the aggress, the the aggression uh, portion of it. 
Um, that was really, uh, that really interested me yeah. because it was like, wow, it was almost like war. Like, look at, because look, basketball is aggressive, but you can't hit, I mean, no one's getting checked. Yeah. You're not hitting. I mean, look, there's no helmet. There's yeah. a reason why you're wearing helmet, shoulder oh, yeah. pads, and gloves. Like, you don't do that in basketball. And again, not to take anything away from them, but there is something interesting where, wow, look, we could take two groups of people and have them kind of go crazy with yeah. all this equipment, right? And it definitely allows you to learn how to control your aggression because yeah. especially the higher levels that you play at, you know what I mean? <clears throat> then it becomes – you can't just be going out there hitting people willy-nilly because yeah. then you're you're going to get fouls, you're going to get penalties, you're going to have to sit in the box. And ultimately, when you start playing at the college level, a penalty can change the whole exactly. course of the game. So, like, here's, like, that consequence thing. Yeah. You know, I know everyone wants to talk about, you know, the toxic masculinity thing and not being aggressive and whatever. But look, like, here's, like, an instance where you can be aggressive yeah. and learn that there are consequences, okay. good and bad. Yeah. So it kind of like makes you be aggressive in a less of a reckless way. Exactly. So instead of like maybe this guy passes the ball, instead of me hitting him and putting him on his ass three seconds after he passes the ball and get a penalty, then maybe I'll just play um, pressure defense on him and I'll be all over his hands or or I'll use my aggression in that sort of way to kind of still get it out but do it in a way that – you know, I mean, I'm following the rules of the game. And I think there's another element of being an athlete that – because I played all throughout high school. I'm not obviously nowhere near the level of the, the both of you. But there is another element that I think people don't realize, like the prep before the game. Yeah. And this happened to me a lot when I was doing like the uh, the sparring, like the, the, the martial arts stuff, like the MMA and fighting. Like how do you guys – prepare before a game especially if it's a um let's say a really difficult one or something like that um how i usually prep before the game is um i wake up like say like i said like we have a game at like three and i'll wake up i I like to wake up relatively early because i just i just need to i'm like that i like to fit you know and um I, you know, have a, it's like a normal day. I got to have like a normal day. Like I don't change anything. I, okay. And I have my morning routine. Like I, I, I do the same thing every morning when okay. I wake up at this time, at okay. that time, you know, it's very scheduled. It's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, I, I just like to like, honestly, like, listen. So you really don't like to deviate because it kind of shakes things up, right? You like, like to maintain that control. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't do anything special. I, I listen to music before the, before the game and, um, uh, what I honestly used to do, like before I go to bed, it, like before the game, is like I would like dream of what I need to do in that game. What I'm got, what I want to do is chasing that dream. Also, <laughs> <laughs> chasing that. Also, you guys, yeah, right yeah just so I have like an image of, and that like will mentally get me ready. Chase is in the dream, like playing with you, and then Dave's in the stands with the sign. Yeah, <laughs> yep. you know. <laughs> so okay, and how like how about you? Like, do you do anything? You have like a, I know like some people like. You know, they got a special pair of socks they yeah. got to wear. No. They they read they read like a poem before they go. Like I've heard all types of weird, crazy things. Yeah, I don't really do anything like that. You know, I try to just kind of keep myself as mellow as possible because the thing about games that is so different than practice is no matter who you are or how long you've been playing or where your skill level is at, no matter what that is, 
every time you go into a game, you still have this level of like anxiety. So I've always noticed that if I get, you know, if I really work myself up before the game that I'll play worse than if I kind of just keep like a cool mellowed head and just go out with like the attitude where like, I'm gonna give it all I got, but I'm not going to put so much pressure on my shoulders because honestly, then when I do that, my performance is going to lack. And, and that's such an important skill to develop. Like people don't realize, oh, this is just a meathead that goes in and just swings a stick around or throws a ball around or tackles someone. They don't realize like there is a huge psychological component that happens before the game even starts. And you guys are like, you, you guys are developing that skill. Like, and you're mean, you're able to. Uh, not just prepare yourself for the game, but you're also able to implement the focus and, and sustain it for long periods of time. You know, a lacrosse game, most sports, I mean, they're not five minutes. I mean, it's like an hour or so right? yeah. over. And that's, that's a lot, right? Oh yeah. So do you feel like that's the athlete side of being an athlete, mm-hmm. <laughs> the athletic side of being an athlete? What about the coaching side, though? Because, again, what I think is really great about the both of you is that you do coach on the side, which a lot of athletes don't do, um, especially at the college level. So what is coaching to the – what is coaching to you guys? Like, like Cole, like if you had a like – like what is coaching to you exactly? Well, coaching had like a big part of like why I picked my major because um, I want to be a phys ed teacher and coach uh, hopefully one day um, because – not nothing nothing is better i i get such like a a great feeling when i like instruct uh, someone to do something of how it should be done and guide them through like a drill or or a process in the and and show them and i get to i get to uh see the process of them become better and when they when like they do everything that you tell them to and and it's to the t and and they buy in that, that, that is the best feeling ever. It really is. It really is rewarding. I mean, and Dave and I talk about this all the time, especially when the person has no idea what they're doing in the beginning. And you see this change happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it is addictive. Yeah. Uh, which is why I do what I do. I mean, do you feel like, I mean, Chase, I mean, to you, like what makes a great coach like to, to you? Because it, it, it's really tricky. Yeah, so it definitely is. You know, I've had a ton of coaches throughout my time um, in athletics. And honestly, the best coaches I've ever had was, I would even refer to them as a coach, but more of like a life coach. So, of course, you know what I mean? You could hire anybody to, you know, give you a workout plan and tell you things that you need to do to reach your goals. But then there's also that coach that it's not just working out. So it's right. more of like everything else that goes on within your life besides the actual working out part. Because uh, personally for me, the lifting is the easiest part. You know what I mean? That's the most therapeutic and fun part about, you know, the progression process. But the shitty part is everything that you have to deal with outside of life. You know what I mean? And a lot of us go through this journey that you could call life kind of like on our own, especially being at school. You know what I mean? You develop friends, but sometimes you're looking for a a role model to look at and to try to help you get advice. And if you have, you know what I mean? Say I got a big exam coming up, you know what I mean? I can just vent to and get some advice and 
have somebody help me through. So honestly, to me, that's what makes separates a good coach from a great coach. And, and you know what? And I think this is a big problem. I think there's a dis- I think we need uh, again. I'm probably gonna get shit for this, but I, whatever. I don't fucking care. I think we need less coaches and more guys. Oh yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. that. Because think about the because there's no context, right? I think a lot of coaches just and I got not not all most. I think they're assuming that look like all this kid needs or this adult needs is exercise, and I'm not going to put anything else into context. So if we have two people here, both of you, right? Your family's not here. Your friends are not here. You're you're academically now under a lot of stress. Um, you're emotionally under a lot of stress. You're in a environment like you're in a nut like you're like. You guys are in a completely different, uncontrollable, crazy, chaotic environment. I don't think 30 minutes to an hour of the gym outweighs that. All of those other factors. And I think that's where the guide comes in, right? The guide is like, hey, look, like, how are you feeling today? Yo, do you have a lot of homework today? Look, oh, you have a you have a double header tonight? Okay, look, I had I had to do um I had you guys scheduled to do, you know, you know one rep max back squat. We're going to do a PR test today, whatever. We're going to go really heavy. I was going to trace guys. Hey, you know what? Let's dial it back a little bit. Like there's no context anymore. And I noticed this with a lot, because I've trained a lot of athletes, not at, at, uh, at this school, but, um, a lot of other ones. And it's the same story, even in the off season, copy and paste programming that they got somewhere else. No context has nothing to do with the sport that you're playing, not specific at all to mm-hmm. your needs. Yeah. See, I think it's, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. I think like a life coach can really, cause I mean, even personal experience change the trajectory of your life because as I was in high Did school, Did I change the trajectory of your life. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. You, you, you changed the whole view that I've had about working out and wellness as a total. But I mean, even if I track back to high school, I mean, I, I had one of the greatest life coaches and his name was Brian Hahn. And you know, I was, I joined this gym my sophomore year and he, me and him immediately became best friends. And I never forget this guy would always tell me cause I was never skillful in right. lacrosse, especially in my early years, because you know what I mean? I started at such a late stage and he would always point out the potential that I had. And he'd always be like, I can, you're going to be an all American. You're going to be an all American. Keep working. And he would always encourage me. And it's just that Imagine never hearing that. Yeah. That little encouragement. Right. You know what I mean? Because I don't have an athletic family. So this this whole journey was kind of – I've been the only kid in my family that's went to college, let alone played a sport in college. So to have like a third-party actor saying those type of things to you really changed my life. And this guy was pretty much the reason why I went to Adelphi. He was an Adelphi alum. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so he would always send my coach videos of me lifted and stuff. And he really just – introduce lifting to me and just really overhauled my entire life and, at and that early stage. And Cole, I mean, you know, this is literally what you're learning in school right now. Yeah. I mean, you're learning like exercise psychology. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really like the umbrella for everything, whether you're a kid or an adult. I mean, do you feel like that's accurate? I mean, do you, I mean, how do you approach coaching? Cause I know you, I mean, the both of you coach kids, yeah. right? Yeah. I, and young I, adults. I agree with uh, a lot of what Chase is uh, saying, what separates a good coach from a great coach. And 
Um, I think that it's it's a great coach coaches this this the game like the sport and along that way of making you a better athlete, he teaches you life lessons that you could use in real life, and that that's why I think is that because think about it, anyone could just bark out orders. Yeah, uh, get, my mom could do that. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. so so like, but it takes a great coach to apply the drills that we that we do in practice or the the game itself into real life and also the delivery so i remember when i first started coaching because i i came from a martial arts background and everyone a lot of those instructors were out of their fucking minds i was used to being screamed at right but that's just how it is you know martial military art right the a military art so yelling is a thing and then I tried to kind of implement that in the beginning of my career as a coach. And I'm like, this is not the right place for this. Right. And I think yelling can be useful, but it's more of like you have to use it and not abuse it. Cause if I'm yelling all the time, it loses its thing. Yeah. It, it's, it loses its, um, I guess it's, uh, it's aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's significance. Right. It doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, so, and I, and I, you know, I just, you know, I t- try to talk to Jess, Dave, and Mike about this. I'm like, look, like, you guys can be loud, but if you're loud all the time, it's, you're just going to be a loud person. Yeah. You're just shouting. Yeah. You're just making noise. Mm-hmm. You're like a, yeah, right? The delivery of how you say things as a coach is so important. Because, look, some people respond great to that. Some people don't. Some people need a softer touch, right? Some people need the blanket. Others need the fucking hammer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um what is what would you say like your coaching style is like as of now would you say um, i know it depends on the person but overall yeah so i mean i've been coaching um these um lacrosse clinics for the past four years and the age group really is you know kindergarten through like fourth fifth grade and honestly it's been pretty cool since my freshman year to now to see these players progress and I, i'm not really that yelling type you know yeah. what i mean there's definitely times, especially when you're dealing with uh, younger kids, that you got to stern up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of like straighten them up a little bit because they'll be goofing off a lot. But, yeah. you know, it's more of that constructive criticism. You know, I, I'll point out things. I'm being like, listen, you did this, but if you just make this minor adjustment, you know what I mean? Aim a little higher when you're throwing. You know what I mean? Uh, give a little more effort. Focus up. But they'll perform uh, better. But I don't really have a background in coaching, uh, I would say. um more of a higher level uh, quite yet. That's definitely something I would like to do in the future. But yeah, you know what I mean? More of like a, be more of like a bro to the kid than this scary figure that, you know what I mean? They're going to be anxious around because, well, when's And then then their performance will be, the performance will be impacted because they're afraid. Yeah. And a lot of kids, especially when you deal with younger kids, like they'll check out like that. Yeah, they will. It's so So true. If you're not engaging with them, and you're being kind of a dick, oh, like, you know what I mean? They'll be like, I don't have to be here. Like, I'm not going to listen. I'm just going to goof off and, even more. Yeah. And I think Cole has experienced like the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like for an athlete, like as me playing a sport, I honestly don't mind. I think I, I think I play better when I, when I get not, not really yelled at, but like if, if I know a coach is like, you know, gets loud and and as long as I construct and it, like what Chase was saying that it's actually like helping, like they're not just calling me an idiot. Well, tell me why I'm an yeah, idiot. Exactly. Show me, show me how to become 
better at doing that. Don't just be like, Hey Cole, you're an idiot. Cause you did this. No, like you need to like explain stuff to me. So that's like, that's like the big difference. But for me being a coach, I, I can't, I don't, I don't feel the need to yell at people because everyone there there is no need to be yelling. I think at especially like a school like lacrosse, maybe in football, or like some other like MMA stuff. You know, right. it's very you know more violent sports. But I don't really think in like lacrosse, uh, yelling uh, could you know be a factor. But um, I, I I don't yell at my at the kids that I train or when 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 we coach. Um, number one, because you know they're they're young and. Uh, I'm not like exactly, and I and, and for me, my thing, whether I'm doing you know, training someone in martial arts, Olympic lifting, marathon running, whatever it is, my big thing is always as a guide because I don't even consider myself a coach. I consider myself like a guide, yeah. um, <clears throat> because my big thing is like no matter whatever you learn in the gym, on the field in the dojo any lessons you learn any skills you learn any habits that you form any behavioral changes that you that you have those are all going to be transferable to outside of the gym outside of the dojo outside of the field so anything you learn i want you to take it and apply it outside like it is not exclusive to the four walls of where you're training and the reason why – the main reason why I say that these skills need to be transferred to outside of what you're training is because, again, there are a lot of other things that are happening. And I don't think most people realize this. And, you know, you brought something up really interesting that I actually didn't think of. There's almost like a stigma when you're in school as an athlete. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear your – like elaborate on this. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know. Yeah. So it's definitely interesting, you know, cause uh, I mean, just, you can sit there and think about what the stigma of an athlete is, you know, big meathead, dumb as rocks, you know what I mean? Uh, Name kinda, chase and cold. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't pay attention in class whatnot. But I mean, I've definitely dealt with that. You know, I've had teachers that, uh, you know, I'll give them forms say, Oh, I'm going to miss, you know, this day, this day, this day. And, you know, they'll give me shit for it. It's like, it's not my fault that, you know I mean? I got a couple of away games and I've even had uh, some professors that once they found out I was on the lacrosse team, you could noticeably see that they were kind of like viewed me in a different light. Right. And that's always been a little challenging, you know? I mean, of course you do have a lot of professors that embrace that, you know what I mean? And they're happy for me, but so it's been a lot of challenging, especially because, you know, I take my education really seriously. And um, e I'm, even at times, I kind of like school more than lacrosse. Um, I'm just very grateful lacrosse got me to be able to pursue a higher education. But, yeah, you know, it's definitely um, frustrating when you miss a test and your teacher might not let you retake it or they might, okay. they might threaten you with getting points off because, oh, well – the whole class took this test, so now you might have gotten the answers from right. someone else. So know? it's like so. so you have this at, at at you know one school, and then other schools you have safe spaces. Yeah. Who don't play sports? Yeah. I could just oh I, hey I'm having an anxiety attack. Peace. See you later. Yeah. Um, I need to go on you know sit on a bean bag with a nice latte in my hand and mm. you know go fuck yourself right. I mean I mean Cole, do you feel similar that? Because I'm you know you guys have different majors. Do you feel like 
you know, you had something similar to that or? Yeah. So, so there's definitely like a stigma with a student athlete, of course, with everything there's, there comes to be uh, pros and cons of everything. So like I've had uh, teachers throughout my whole life um, th- th- with a student athlete, they, they either hate you or they love you. So mm-hmm. I've had teachers in my life that love me just because I played a sport or the same sport that they used to play. Mm-hmm. And I've had teachers throughout my life who hated me because I played a sport and they didn't, I guess they didn't play a sport. They played a different one or uh, they, they thought yeah. they, that they thought that like I wasn't into school because I play sports. Well, like number one, we all like me and Chase, we go to, we go to school to go to school. Like, like, like lacrosse is our priority. And so is school. So, cause lacrosse got you. There. Yeah. And, so how so, could it not be? The and, and that was a thing that looked like what Chase was saying that lacrosse got us to higher education. To be honest with you, if I wasn't playing like a sport in college, I wouldn't have went to college. Yeah. I would have went to community college or I would have started work right after high school something, okay? But uh, I, I'm not like a school guy at all. So lacrosse did help me get to that. But um, however, there are people that are student athletes who give that a bad name because there are people who abuse the student athlete title and like – use excuses and they'll lie like oh yeah i got practice at this time and i got a game at this time of course i i i i can't make this class or because i i know many people who've done that in their lives but like what chase is saying that most student athletes um they 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 give school work just as much as priority as the sport yeah. that they play and um because some doesn't yeah at all right yeah yeah i mean there's definitely you know you got those outliers but you got you got those kids that are going and I never really understood this because I mean you're paying for school so yeah. I'm like you know what I mean if I'm paying for this you know I'm gonna try like to get the best grades possible but you do have those kids that go to school simply to play lacrosse and you know what I mean to them their GPA doesn't mean much or maybe they're not planning on using that degree so this so I'm sorry was there anything else no. there okay so so this is another really interesting thing so the skill eventually dissipates mm-hmm. as you get older, right? And this is another thing I don't think people realize, with the, you know, with the athlete, the career relative to other types of careers. I'm talking about like, you know, you take a professional basketball player, an MMA fighter, even a, co- a college athlete. You compare that with like an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer. Your career is very short. Oh, yeah. Especially to play at the highest level. And it's when you're, and yeah, and again, I'm talking about playing it at a very high level. Your career is very short, and a lot of people do not take that into consideration. And then what ends up happening is that, you know, you're always one injury away from never right. playing again. So what happens? Let's say you get the injury. Let's just say your body just breaks down, or maybe you fall out of it. If you don't have this knowledge that I think only, not only comes, but it helps from coaching. When you develop that knowledge, it allows you to sustain the activity in a different way. So you're so it doesn't end after college. No, oh, yeah. Because you have an understanding of how recovery works, how psychology works, how training works, how programming works. And this is a big thing with the with the that happens to a lot of martial artists actually, because you know what they do? They do tournaments. Oh, look at me. I have 10 million trophies. Wow, I've been doing it for six years. Look how many trophies I have. And then they get into their 40s. They can't do the backflips anymore. They can't do the splits. They can't fight anymore because their body just doesn't allow for mm-hmm. it. And then they lose a sense of identity because they can't do the thing. Yeah. Because if I say, like, well, what, what are you? Oh, I'm a lacrosse athlete. Well, what if you can't do lacrosse anymore? What happens after that? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people, you know, 
will only put you know all their chips into lacrosse and they won't develop i mean that's the coolest thing you know that i've learned by going to your gym and it's that because i like i said earlier i really focused on just pushing heavy weights i was never really on like uh especially when i was by myself like working out creating my own plans i was never really on a um structured plan i would just kind of go in and be like all right what do i want to do today and so that meant i lacked in every sense of mobility, you know, I mean, I didn't do any stretching. I never did cardio. I would always tell myself I would do core and then I'd get to the end of the workout and be like, fuck this, (laughs) I'm going home. You know, so the coolest thing that I've learned is that to sustain being not even playing lacrosse, you know what I mean? Cause I don't have a career after high uh, college, but to sustain being an athlete is you really have to touch on those components. Like, you know, full body well-being and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's stretching, flexibility, um, cardio. Yeah. How, how to deal with your mental state. You know what I mean? Um, just those different aspects that is really going to propel somebody out of this collegiate level. And I think this is the big differential between a coach and a guide. Because I think a lot of coaches, there's are coaches, but I think there's a lot of coaches that are also guides, but they don't realize it. Because the the coach almost makes you dependent on them. Like if the coach isn't there, this person has no idea what to do mm-hmm. at practice in the weight room. The guide makes you autonomous, makes you independent, and makes you self-sustaining. So there's and and I, I think I might have said this quote before. It's like, look, if you if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach him how to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Yeah. And that's really the, that's the other differential between the guide and the coach. The guide is like, Hey, look, like here's the path. I'm going to hold your hand a little bit, maybe a quarter of the way, but look, you got to go the rest on your own. But I'm going to tell you, Hey, look, there's a rock over there. Don't trip over that. There's a hole over there. Don't fall down there. There's like an angry bear that might rip your fucking face off. Don't, you know, just be careful. He comes out after 3 PM. Right. (laughs) So, you know, and I think that's really the, the, the thing because look, like I'm not always going to be there. The, you know, you may move, you may go somewhere else. Your life may change. What's going to happen. You need to be able to become autonomous, independent, mm-hmm. accountable, and, 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 and self-reliant. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. And I don't, uh, I don't want to get into down this rabbit hole bashing the fitness industry, but. Oh, please. You know, I love it. I hate the fitness industry. Oh, yeah. So and I, I'm in it. I think the fitness industry, you know what I mean? A lot of it is very fraudulent and it's very deceiving, especially to people, you know, that don't have a background of working out or don't have a background in wellness. And, you know what I mean? They might be trying to take that next step into making their lives a little bit healthier. And I see so many people, you know, may it be in gyms or on social media, you know, where they're just trying to take advantage of the people that don't have the knowledge, right? Just to make a quick buck. So wait a minute, time out, time out. You're fucking telling me that I can't get abs in a week if all I drink is kale juice. I wrap a, I wear a sweatband around my waist. <laughs> That's what it is. And I just do five minutes of abdominal work yeah. every day for seven days straight. Dude, are you are you telling me that doesn't work? It's crazy. And it, it's crazy. It. To I can't me believe that. How you know Son what I mean? of a bitch. some people they lie believe me. these things. But I mean I, I I could see it. You know what I mean? If you have no 
you know what I mean, idea of what to do in the gym, you know what I mean? And you got some big jack dude coming up saying, I could get you shredded in a week if you buy my yeah. program and buy my supplement line. It's like, it's I always could, 99.99. Oh, yeah. Nice. And I can see how people fall for it, but it's like, that is like, those people are nowhere near being a guide or a life coach, but they're simply trying to prey on the week. You know what I mean? Right. And, and it, it, what they did was for them. Oh, yeah. You know, not everyone is going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or Ronnie Coleman or uh, Tom Brady or whoever, yeah. right? And the other interesting thing, too, about the, you know, the, fit, the fucking fitness industry is that now you have all this group fitness stuff, right? You have like, you know, you have CrossFit, you have Orange Theory, you have F45, you have all these, you're welcome for the plug. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you have all these like group fitness studios that are approaching group fitness from an individual perspective and they have no idea how to control when i say control i don't mean like you know like how stalin and Hitler did with with their you know but like that i'm talking about you know how to kind of manage all these different personalities all these different types of fitness fitness um levels and look there are some instructors within those organizations that i'm sure can but i don't think it's discussed enough and i think this happens a lot as an athlete and also as a coach there is a dynamic that happens not just between the coach and the individual athlete but also like the athlete with the other athletes and the coaches with the other coaches Mm -hmm. so i mean what types of things did you notice within the team you know that i mean did you see certain types of things shift did you see things go down like a bad road a good road did you see pot like did you learn anything from those relationships that you had or uh, to adelpha uh, any any team any team that you were on i mean um you know i've been on i feel like the best environment for a team you know what i mean would be a super um competitive uh nature okay in play and kind of like like a close-knit group you know what i mean because i've been on teams that are super clicky and right. you know you're kind of like they're dragging out of lacrosse bullshit onto the field and i've also been on teams where you know what i mean it's just like one big just group of like good friends you know what i mean and the, the and that helps oh yeah the latter team definitely helps because it's like then you feel comfortable um in what you're doing you know what i mean it's like drop the whole high school bullshit of exactly. you know what i mean this drama Take this drama that yeah. yeah and people you know putting on these false personas because of whatever they're dealing with you know what i mean get that out of here because that you know what i mean that's not why we're here now, now if you were the coach and like, how would you guys approach that? Like, because I, I do it a certain way within the gym because uh, there is a there is a group dynamic in there that gets a little crazy sometimes. But, you know, how, like when you're coaching your kids, how do you approach the kids as a group, would you say? I mean, do you do like, is there like a thing you look out for? Like, oh, like, I got to make sure that I do it this way so they do the, the thing. Like, how do you approach it exactly? Well, like I start like I want I want them to like me because if they if they don't like you then they're not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. So I I make sure that that like you know I'm I'm very friendly with them. 
But like when it's go time, like I, I let them know, like guys, listen, like we could, we could talk all we want, we could, you know you want to have a good time. I'm I'm all I'm all for a good time. But I go once once is we do the drill once we're going against it's it's go time. You so you're showing you, the contract. Yeah, you, yeah, you got you got to you got to. So it's like I give them like leeway, like because uh, they're gonna do what they want to do at the end of the day. So I try to make it like, hey, listen, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Because I if I want to, I, I could be very mean to people. You know, but I don't want, I don't want to personify myself as that. So I kind of go like, Hey guys, like how, like I asked them about their days and all that. How, how's it going? Um, talk, we talk about like school and all that. And then I'm like, all right guys, like conversation's over. Let's go after. Oh, like that was a good play. And then, you know, and then everyone starts like a good, you want to make what Chase said a good environment for them to practice and and, and play. And, And that's like another thing, like the facilitation that goes into developing this proper whatever quote unquote the proper um environment right that is really fucking hard mm-hmm. because like the environment that i have for you know when you guys are in the gym the adults and the environment that i have for the kids that i train that are like 14 those are two different things yeah. there are some similarities there but the 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 coach or the guide or whatever you know they have to i think what you're talking about is they have to be relatable mm-hmm because look, you can, you have no idea what's going on in that kid's house. Yeah, that hour with you might be the most important fucking hours life because his whole life is miserable, right? And you have no idea until you start paying attention to these cues. You know, maybe when you yell at him, the kid just like curls up. And I see this with adults too, right? You have the you have the wife or the husband with the abusive spouse, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, like you can really tell when you step on the wrong court, it mm. sets them off. Mm. And you have to be able to kind of manage uh, manage that. I mean, do you feel like um, that that is – was there ever, ever a point where you found someone to be uncoachable because of that? Maybe like, wow, this guy is just – this guy has so much going on. This kid has so much going on. Did you ever feel that way or? Oh, well, I've definitely had a couple, you know, um, I guess you call them students uh, that just were extremely disrespectful. Okay. And so like out of sync of what kind of we were doing at that time that, you know what I mean? They kind of made themselves uncoachable. You know, it's kind of like this blatant disrespect that they would show. I don't know why, you know what I mean? It could be like they got rough home life and they're just kind of, you know what I mean? Trying to like just expressing it in a, in an odd way um, when they're practicing. But yeah, no, I've definitely run into some kids to where I was just like, holy cow, like and, and what no matter you, what I say. And how, how do you approach that? You know, it's definitely difficult, but um, honestly, like, so if I got a kid that is, will not go into the drill or if he goes into the drill, like he will, you know what I mean? Just start and a big thing with younger kids you know what i mean is they will use the stick as like a baton <laughs> and they you know what i mean and you'll have some like these kids that will just like we'll be doing a ground ball drill and they won't even go for the ground ball they'll just start you know hitting the kid in the head or something <laughs> so honestly when it gets to that point where this kid will not listen to me at all and he just is gonna go out there and do whatever he wants to drill then i'll just sit him aside i'll be like you know what? you're just gonna sit out this drill because clearly you know what I mean? You don't want to be here to the point that nothing I can say is going to help. You know what I mean? Motivate you to even perform this drill at a basic level. And I think that's an important thing too. It's like you re- look, you just I think this is another thing that a lot of trainers don't do. They just will not come to terms with the fact that look, I have all the knowledge to help this person. 
this person has the tools to apply what I'm going to give them and make a change. We're just not right for each other. It's like yeah. dating. Okay. It's like on paper, we should be fine. Yeah. Oh, look, we're both Libras. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. We both like long walks on the beach and we both like Thai food. Oh, like what else do we, but look, you know, but then it's like, when you start talking to the person, it's like, oh, wow. It's just, it's not there. It really is like dating. Yeah. I think it comes down to like, with like teaching uh, uh, kids, coaching kids is that it's, it, they got to want to be there. They got to yes. want, because if, if, if just think about it, like, like I'm 22 years old right now. If someone forced me to do something, I'm not going to be into it. Like I, I, I'm not going to be giving my hundred percent. I'm not, I'm just going to take it as like, Oh, I, I got to do this as, as a chore. Yeah, as a chore. Yeah. As a chore. It, it, it's all about if you, if you, if you want to do something in life, you, you give your, 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 and your passion about it, you will succeed in it and you you'll know? make it happen. Yeah. But yeah. if you're just being forced, you don't really care then, you know, and, and there are kids, um, that, you know, I've, I've coached at, they're being forced to because yeah, um, they, that their parents want to play or because their friends are doing it that they feel that like they got to do it. And there's kids that I've coached that um, want that are very into the sport and they want to be there and and like that hour with me or however long is is amazing to them. And uh, those are the kids who will be successful. And and I say it all the time like attendance doesn't guarantee success. No, no. Like you could come in seven days a week. Yeah, and just not make it a valuable hour mm -hmm. each time. And you can have the kid that comes twice a week and he makes it, he actually makes that time work. He goes above well and beyond. Yeah. And you know, we had a situation in the gym where it was like, look, I had, I had uh, I started with a group of kids and went to like a group of 30. There were too many uh, to train all at once. So what I did was I separated the groups and uh, I, you know, I did it by, I did it by how they carpooled. I thought that was a, uh, I thought that was a safe way to kind of do it um, in terms of convenience. And, you know, of course, you know, you get, and I'm sure you've dealt with this, you know, you get the parent who needs to bitch about something because if they don't feel like a victim at every waking moment of their life, or if their kid is not looked at as a victim at all times, they're not happy. So, you know, I got, I get the call and they were like, Oh, you know, Hey, I noticed you switched up the kid. You split the kids up. And I was like, yes, that's correct. Oh, well, this isn't like an A team or B team thing, is it? Like is one group, did you put like the better kids in one group and then the other kids in the other group? I was like, no, I said both groups of kids are, are worthless. They're equally worthless. <laughs> and that was like a long pause, very long. And I was like, yeah, I said, yeah, I mean, and what I think it kind of, she kind of got it. But what I was trying to say was it's not that the kids are actually worth it. It's like they're all the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. there's no favorites i look at each kid as look you're an athlete i'm going to make the training work for you as best i can but look you're all on the same team and we're all going to work and there's nothing special about anyone yeah and that's a big problem everyone's got to be special oh yeah at all times Everyone's unique. Everyone's a snowflake. Everyone needs this thing that differentiates them from everyone else. And I think that causes a problem also uh, with teams. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Because you're not bigger than the team. No. Ever. I don't care who the fuck you are. That's why you're on the team. And a lot of coaches will not rock the boat. Not only because of that, but because of a lot of other things. And guides, and again, we'll say trainer, 
uh, to kind of encompass both of those, they will not, they're not willing to rock the boat. I mean, and I think the athlete should also be willing to rock the boat mm -hmm. too, because that's how a conversation happens. I mean, did you guys ever feel like as athletes that maybe, you know, you were short-sighted in any way on any, any of the teams that you played on? I mean, I uh, just kind of backtrack a little. I think sure, some of the biggest issues, that, I mean, not even just athletes, but a lot of people deal with is the whole ego. And you know what I mean? Everyone's got their own ego. And even I do. And a lot of times that I have to consciously suppress that because, you know what I mean? I, it's like, I'm like, what? why am I really doing this? You know what I mean? Why am I acting this way? You know what I mean? Just lighten up. And a lot of people don't like being, and that's the coolest thing about being in a group setting, uh, especially working out or on lacrosse team, because you're always going to have somebody who's better than you. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe you might be the best on your team, but you, you're not the best in the world. Like, there will always be somebody <laughs> yeah. who is going to take you down. So the coolest thing is that's a little, like, check on your ego. Like, every time we work out, I always try to race Kevin. Yeah, exactly. Kevin smokes me every time. You know what I mean? Uh, that's an ego check. I'm like, it, holy exactly. shit. Exactly. And that was the ego check I was trying to also give to the parent. It's like, yeah. look, the kids are not, not obviously worthless. I love those kids. They're great athletes. But you need to realize that no one in this group will ever be special. Yeah. They will all be treated with an equal amount of respect. Oh, yeah. And I think what you're talking about too, with the ego thing, I think we all deep down inside, I don't care how successful you are, how fit you are, how much money you have. We all have a hesitant, uh, we're, we're all hesitant to looking vulnerable. Oh yeah. 100%. We never want to look vulnerable, mm -mm. even in the smallest amount. And some people can't handle that. Yeah. If there's such a shame factor like attached to it, right? But that's when you grow yeah, is when you right. face that vulnerability. And you know what I mean? You come out of it. You're like, holy shit, I didn't die. You know exactly. what I mean? I'm still alive. And even I've, I've had tried to get so many people to come to the gym. And their biggest response was, dude, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I'm like, you, you're probably right, but you're going to get it done. And you're yeah. going to be okay after. You're not going to die. You know what I mean? As out of shape as you think you are, you know what I mean? It's you got to take that first step. But look, it's like, God forbid I look weak in front of someone else. Yeah. God forbid someone asks me a question and I don't know the response. Hmm. Like, how did, like, it's amazing that society kind of got this way where I show any little ounce of, of, um, you know, I don't know, like a genuine, I don't know. It's like, that's it. Don't even pursue. Don't go through the fog. Like just, just stay stagnant and yeah. stationary instead. And that's such like a, such a horrible way to fucking live like that. Oh, hundred percent. Especially with athletics. I mean, what's the, what's the downside of failing? You don't make the team. Like, oh my God, like big fucking deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that if if you are afraid to, to make a mistake in a game or even in like, let's say like work or something, you make a mistake, uh, that means that you're not trying enough because you, there are, is going to be some bumps in the road in, in, in a game. I don't make every good play in a game and I, I make some – I feel like if you're not being risky enough, yes. then, then you're actually not even yes. – you're not trying as hard as you can because – not, no one's perfect to begin with. Right. So if you're like trying to play like, like very like conservative, like in any sport and like, oh, I'm just going to 
um, make myself look good by doing like the bare minimum. All right. Well, like, how about you try going for the net or try and go for the touchdown or any sport it correlates to. And, oh, maybe you fumble the ball. Maybe the guy checked it out of your stick. Well, guess what? At least you try. At least, exactly. like you tried. That's 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 telling me that you're you're giving it your all. And 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 I think it also boils down to the to to its core. It's people have a very unhealthy relationship with risk. Oh yeah. People are afraid. They're they're so afraid of of these imaginary these imaginary consequences that don't mean anything. It's like oh my god, I can't make an error in the in the game. What's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Worst case, the coach takes you out of the yeah. game. Maybe yells at you a mm-hmm. little bit. And you need to be risky to make that good yeah. play. And I hear this all the time. Well, I don't want to go to your gym because I don't want to lift heavy. Okay. Why don't you want to lift heavy? Well, it's dangerous. What's dangerous? Deadlifting is dangerous. <laughs> Snatch is dangerous. Clean and press. Split jerk. Dangerous. No, they're not dangerous. You're dangerous. And I know you're dangerous because I've met you before and I've seen you do stuff and you can't walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> you're dangerous. Yeah. You have, you're the problem. And and you're the problem and you're the, the risk factor there because you have not taken the time to do things that you don't want to do. And I tell clients this all the time. The secret you've been looking for resides in the work that you've been avoiding. It's so facts. I mean, even uh, – I don't know if you follow David Goggins at all. Oh, yeah. That's the Navy Fucking, SEAL guy. I love that guy. But that he, guy's amazing. He yeah. even says, you know, a lot of people die before they even start their journey. Yeah. And what he's kind of referring to like is that. he's because he's like, you got to push yourself every single day to really figure out who you are. You know what I mean? What your purpose exactly. is. There is a clarity that happens. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you're just living in this realm where you're always afraid to take risks because you don't want to be looked vulnerable, you don't want to look bad to your peers, you know, then there's going to be no room for growth at all. You know, so it's kind of like, as nervous as you might be, like every lacrosse team I go into or like an interview or a test, whatever that is, I don't care how hard I studied for that test or how hard I practice lacrosse, you're still nervous. You know what I mean? Of course. And it's like, and if you don't prepare yourself at all in life, well, then you're scared. But the more you prepare yourself, well, you're not scared. You're just nervous. And that's natural. You know, everyone's nervous before they do something that is worth anything. But a lot of people are just so afraid to, you know what I mean, push themselves in a way that they need to be pushed. But it's uncomfortable. And I think also there's too many people following the recipe that their parents or friends gave them. Yeah. You were bad at lacrosse from fourth to sixth grade therefore don't play lacrosse you will never get good at it ever again. you don't even bother playing in college. <laughs> yeah. you played left bench for three years stay there you suck <laughs> matter of fact you're fat also you'll never get you'll never ever become healthy you'll never get to shape you'll never have the wherewithal to play and no one has the audacity to say no Instead, what they do is they curl up and they accept it. Yeah, it's like the it's like when people, oh no, I'm I'm big boned, <laughs> you know that, that's the biggest thing that makes me laugh. You Limiting know what themselves. I mean? Yeah, I'm so like, is yeah. Hofstra Bajorson. Yeah, and <laughs> the strongest him, man he in the world. Lifted 501 kilograms. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? It's yeah. like. No, you're not big boned. You know what I mean? It's like you can still get in shape. And and look, I mean, there's obviously look, there are limitations. There is a ceiling for everyone, but. My thing is, 
You find the ceiling. No. Don't have someone else tell you the ceiling is there because I'll tell you right now, the ceiling that they're telling you is there is a fucking drop ceiling that comes right off. Oh, yeah. And I mean, if you really want to talk about that ceiling, you know what I mean? Then you start going to, to genetics. You know what I mean? That only yeah. really boils down to if you're trying to be like a bodybuilder, you yeah. know what I mean? Top IFBB pro or in any of those realms. Like when you're just talking about general fitness, like there's no ceiling that any person would ever reach unless they were really going for like the home yeah. run, you know what I mean? The best in the world that. And look, if you look, if you looked at my family, look, the majority of them, they're a bunch of slobs, very unathletic, no finer gross motor skills, didn't play any sports, no recreational activity, extremely unhealthy for the most part, most of them. I had to kind of, and I, I really thought for the longest time, like that was it for me. Like, yeah. why am I even going to bother? Like, I guess this is normal. Yeah. And you could just as well have the opposite. You could have a very athletic family with the person that's sedentary, right? Yeah. So, again, these are things I think that are always looming around in the athlete's head all the time. And I don't know if you guys have ever had this. Have you ever worked with other coaches, for this, like worked with other coaches for the same team? Or have you ever seen other coaches interact with each other? Because this is another really interesting thing that I oh. had to get used to. Like, like coaches, like, like, you a, like, like you have, like, like for, for instance, with martial arts, right? You have a guy that's doing an MMA match. He's got a, he's got a strength and conditioning coach. He's got a, he's got a pad coach who does just mitt work oh, all the yeah. time. Then he has a jujitsu coach. Then he just has his regular coach and they all kind of have to be on the same page. But what ends up happening is it's a fucking pissing contest. Um, oh, hundred percent. They're all know, going for the same euro. Even, <laughs> even, you know what I mean? Cause my the, the kind of like lifting style that I've adapted and a lot of it comes from the training that we do. Um, you know, that kind of, I don't really agree with my school's uh, lifting style because especially in season, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to hit these one rep maxes. So I've definitely seen at my school, a big disconnect between, you know, kind of what the coaches would like our weight and training coach to do and what our weight and training coach is doing because you know i mean again we're talking egos he thinks this is this is the way that you need to be lifting you know what i mean but as somebody who really relies on their legs for the, like an entire 60 minute game squatting super heavy the day before might not be the smartest <laughs> idea right so in that realm i've definitely seen you know coaches who they believe in this the other believes in that and there's no, no middle. middle ground. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and again, like I, I ask you guys all the time, Hey, you got, what's your, what's your game schedule? Like, you guys have a game today? Or you guys will tell me like in the beginning I was asking you and now you guys tell me, hey, still look, we got a, We got a game later. Just, just so you know, we're going to take it easy today. Yeah. I have another client. She has, she has a lot of track beats. They, they keep winning and uh, she's got to let me know when those meets oh. are. I don't want to. I don't want to do deadlifts, fifty deadlifts for time the day of a, a day of a, of yeah, a exactly. you know, yeah. of a, of a it's track all communication. Race. And then like the the football and lacrosse team with those kids, it's like I got I go to the coach, one of the coaches or one of the parents. Hey, I need their game schedule, or they need to tell me I need their practice schedule and I need their game schedule because guess what? Even if I know for a fact, and I don't know this, let's say I know their coach is an idiot, which I'm not saying theirs is. Let's say I know their coach is an idiot, their practice is trash, blah, 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 and I know I'm the better guy. 
it doesn't matter because that takes priority. Because they're the one that's going to be there for the game. Mm -hmm. And I'm responsible for prepping them before that game. Oh, yeah. So me burying them because it makes me feel good (laughs) because I need to stroke my ego, sometimes with both hands, now those kids can't play. Exactly. And that doesn't get communicated enough, I feel like, especially at the college level. Mm -hmm. Uh, Forget about the high school level. That's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother animal. But, um, I've been, I've even had coaches, you know, that like they both want a different offensive style and that's, the, oh and that's interesting God. to watch. You know? <laughs> yeah. Cause you got one coach that believes one way, other coach believes the other. And it's just kind of like the clash yeah. of two Titans. Yeah. You know what, 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 it, what it comes down to is that about like communication, like, Everyone has their own style of coaching that we've been talking about. Everyone has their own idea of their perfect offense, their perfect defense, uh, how the game should be played. Um, but it, it, it makes a good team when, like, team of coaches, when they could be like, okay, listen, I don't agree with you on this, but I agree with you on that. So um, we could do this. If you want to do it like that, I can work with you. It's all about communication and, like, working together because at the end, end of the uh, – they, they they both have the same goal and that's become and to become a good coach yeah. and make their team great. And a lot of times they lose sight of that because they're unwilling to manage the independent variability that happens within the team. Mm-hmm. Look, they may have the textbook perfect offense. Maybe that offense worked last year. It may not work with this team mm-hmm. for whatever reason. It's a different team, or at least maybe half the team is gone and now there's like new people in there. It's yeah. a different team now, so they have to really mitigate. All of these other uncontrollable, because they are to an extent, uh, factors that are going to influence the performance of the uh, of the athletes uh, at the end of the day, right? No, hundred percent. Where do you guys like kind of from a training perspective? What do you see yourselves doing moving forward? Because you know you guys are gonna. You know, I'm really upset. You know you guys are gonna be leaving. Yeah, but you know, but is the nature of the beast. That's how tra- you know. That's the uh, the life of the coach. You build these wonderful relationships, and hey, sometimes they uh, they go. So I mean, what do you what do you guys see yourselves doing? Like after? Yeah. No. Well, like you know, I, I live in uh, New Jersey, so I live about like an hour and fifteen minutes away from uh, Garden City. So I'll definitely like even when I'm not like I'm not gonna be able to like obviously stay in Long Island because I'll be working in New Jersey living in New Jersey, but I'll, I'll definitely, you know, come back and, and get, a, get some workouts and definitely, um, I don't, I, I don't feel like I'll ever disconnect from stronghold ever. Um, Oh, well that, that yeah. makes me feel good. Yeah. I yeah. feel it right here. Yeah. No, oh, that's, that's just gas. Yeah. I always, I'll, I'll always be around. Um, maybe not often as I would like, but I would always uh, stop by. But, um, what I see, like, uh, I could, see, I wanted to get my, um, training certificate in the summer. Um, and, maybe like just because i'm into like that whole like coaching and teaching and train you know trainers is it the same thing as a coach and a a teacher and um uh maybe like i don't know i got like some like uh garage uh weights that i have in my house and like uh some of my friends like you know they're not into working out but they always ask me oh can i lift in your garage and i i kind of like show them like like that stuff so yeah just kind of like someone like let me let me tell you something. Not to interrupt. No, you can go. That is the that is when you have the best fucking sessions. When you're in a fucking garage, when you're in a backyard, and you just have a bunch of guys that you know that have never worked out with each other, and you just you just do something completely unreasonable, 
and everyone just dies at the same yeah. time. It is one of the most glorious things you could ever And that's do. the bond, too. Like yeah. When, that, when, when everyone's yes. suffering, you know, yes. that's, that's the bond. Hardship creates friendship. It really, it really does. Um, and you're also going to pursue your, like, phys ed thing, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I would just like to um, get into training. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I've just been around trainers, like, all my life. Like, starting, like, I think, like, I started, like, with a trainer in, like, sixth grade. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Actually. Yeah, I started oh, wow. like a, at a young age, and I was getting like shit because like apparently like that makes you stunt your growth or something. All that. Bullshit. Oh yeah. So, I know. but I think all those huge Russian and, and Bulgarian Olympic athletes. I guess they missed the memo. Right? Yeah, I, ne- I never listened yeah. to that stuff. <laughs> but uh, but I, I just saw I've always had positive trainers in my life, and um, that hour, hour and a half, wherever it takes that session, uh, has always been like the highlight of my days. Even in, in my practice times, the two hours that we have. That's the highlight of my day. I, I, I can't, I wake cool. up every morning and I can't wait for practice Very cool. to train. And then how about you, Chase? I mean, what are you, what are you going to be doing? Um, well, I've gotten into CrossFit actually recently, probably cool. over these past year or two. And then I think when I get, cause I might be moving down to Tennessee, getting a job down there. So I definitely want to start really pursuing that hardcore. Mm. I'm really into that Olympic lifting style. I love it. So, you know, I'm not putting on record that I will try to compete one day, but definitely I'm going to have that goal of working to try to maybe even, you know what I mean? Compete in like an open to see if I can even place or something. So definitely might take Go a CrossFit route. Yeah. Because I've been getting super into that. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I think you do. really. Yeah. Uh, the Olympic lifting for me, I just love it. You know, the snatching. I know. It, the- it's, it's really, I know it, it really is interesting. It's, it's like, it's a nonstop project. Yeah. It's like it's like a house. It's it's a yeah. nonstop project. You're constantly okay, cool. So, all right, I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, I'll always be here to uh, to coach. Uh, you know, if you have any recommend you oh, know, yeah. questions or whatever, obviously. But um, I before we you stop, I mean, I kind of wanted to talk about recovery and uh, cryotherapy, Cole, because I know oh, I'm you love cryotherapy. I, I I think I think why don't we end with. All right, I gotta tell a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so like this is this is like brings out bad memories. (laughs) Uh, It was in high school. Um, Somehow, like the the football team had a connection with this physical therapist uh, in in my town, and they were giving off like like it was like twenty dollars for like cryotherapy. And at first, um, they're like, "Oh, go get cryotherapy after the game. It will help you recover." I'm like, "Well, what is it?" And they explained to me as like a basically like an ice bath but like without the ice well obviously like yeah but it, it basically just freezes your body and like the, all the pro i seen like they showed me like pictures of like professional athletes doing it so i'm like all right it's got to be good you know and um and i'm sure it is good for, for people but for me it's not good so <laughs> well why is it a good so so, so, the, so the first time I, I i went it was a good experience um they put me in this like it's a big tube and I don't know, but they put some type – I'm not a scientist. So they put some gas in, and I – you know, you got to turn – you got to count to 10 seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, then turn again, then turn again, then turn again. And um, I was, like, on level one because it was, like, a beginning level. There's like, levels up to 10, I, I think. And uh, so then I went the next time after the game, and um, it was – different- And you're standing. Yeah, you're standing, and you're standing, too. Yeah. You're, you're standing in this tube. It's like a dressing and it's, room. And it's freezing. Like, you got to wear gloves and socks and, and, and underwear, of course. Uh, so, so, uh, the second time we, we, we had a different guy, uh, prep the machine for me. And this time 
Uh, he didn't give me like a stool because I'm only five, eight and a half. And yeah, I still use half because I need every centimeter that I can. <laughs> so so this, uh, there, there was no stool. So like my eyes were barely above the, the, the tube that I was in, okay? So my whole mouth and nose are subjected into the tube. And I'm like like hippo style in the water, you know, like the tube, like the, just you could just see my the, the, my eyes on top of the head. So uh, he, he cranks it up to like level three, okay? So level three, there's more gas going in. It's, it's way colder. So I make it about, I, I, you know, I do the 10 seconds in front, uh, 10 seconds to my left side, and I'm, I'm turning the other way. Now I'm facing backwards. And I get to about like, like seven, and I just collapse in, in the tube. Luckily, and I'm blacked out right now, okay? So luckily the door of the tube is like uh, weight sensor. So like, it's like pressure sensor. So like apparently I leaned up against the door as I was blacked out in the tube. And it was like on the, on like this, like a uh, stilt. So it was like, it was like high up above, above the ground. And my dad literally ran out of the chair and caught me falling in midair <laughs> off out of the tube. And he was shaking me and he goes, wake up, wake up. And I, by like the third, like wake up, I, I like, I like, like, I was like coherent now. And I had no idea what was happening. And so basically I, I blacked out in the tube because I was breathing the gases and I, I, didn't, I didn't have that stool because I was too short for the tube. And the guy still wanted me to pay twenty dollars. My dad like looked at me. You're, you're nuts. And you're oh, doing, he still wanted. You and, and I like for like for like a couple months. They were sending like a twenty dollar like like check like bill like like to try like. And my dad calls me. He's like, "You literally made my son faint. Like you're not. Yeah. I'm not paying you twenty dollars. Here's the twenty dollars. Yeah. it's a twenty dollars surcharge. You paying me. Yeah. Twenty dollar attempted murder yeah. invoice. Yeah. Surcharge. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that's that's my. Uh, you you can see how my opinion of uh, cryotherapy <laughs> right there. Okay. <laughs> Oh God, that's freaking awesome. Okay, well, um, I think that's a good place. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end. Did you have anything else to add, or any final, any any final statements, or anything, or no? No, I enjoyed right, being cool. here. Thank awesome, you. Yeah, it was a great time. Okay, cool. So until next time, thank yep. you very, very much.